Light it up. A brand new series, and we are so excited about it. God so moved in our last series called Fun House. And it just opened our eyes and God exposed us and really exposed the enemy. And it was a great series and we're grateful to him. Well, school is back for many of our systems and the rest of them will be back this week, except for our college systems. And so all the students are back in. So when, when school gets back, people come back to church. And man, you know, in the summer, people take vacations and we're excited about that, man. We want you to have, be able to have a vacation and you know, hopefully God's blessing. You take two and you can chill and rest and relax. We all need that. One thing, odd thing that I've noticed, and I, I'm not quite sure why this is, and maybe you can help me, but we, we've all come back from vacation, right? Is that right? Are you here? I mean, are y'all? <laughs> See, we're back from vacation, and what always surprises me, it happens the same way every year. We come back, but you know what we don't bring back with us? Our offerings. You ever heard, you ever heard a nervous laugh? <laughs> That's sort of what that was. <laughs> Come on, let's talk about this church. You know, genuinely, we, we were, we were blowing out the roof. Giving was the uh, highest. And then we hit the J months, which is January, January. Now we got beyond that June and July. We take our tie to the beach, right? Come on, right? Come on. I tell you not to, but you do it anyway. And so and so then you come back. Well, the problem is when you come back, you get back, but it's weeks before your money comes back. Now, when we come back, should we bring our offerings to the Lord? Is our God worthy of our financial faithfulness? Somebody help me. Come on. Sure it is. We dealt with the tapped out series and helping you get out of debt and, and all that kind of stuff. And people made a lot of commitments to go up a level. Some people were, were beginners. They've never really given and they're just going to enter the generosity journey. Others were learners. They have now put God in their budget. Then there's the core, which is people that give 10% that are sort of our core members. And then there's extravagant or lavish. The fourth level people give above and beyond 10% and so funds the kingdom and, and stuff that happens around the world. And so I just want to remind you of that level you really want to live at of generosity because you'll be blessed to the measure that you are generous. Amen. Jesus said, give and it'll be given back to you for the same measure you measure out. It'll be measured back unto you. And so I want to challenge you that, that let's, let's be a generous people. Amen. Well, well, that was, do I need to change my sermon? Cause I can't, I got a good one. I can pull out a mean one. And so let, let's be faithful. Amen? Amen. Come on. Cause our God is on the move. Let's don't stingy out the Holy spirit. Is our God on the move at church? Man, excitement is off the chart. Chuck Carringer is one of our, he's our family pastor who was a very successful basketball coach told me the other day, he said, I know what momentum is and we have it. And so we've got some momentum in our sales and so excitement is up. Attendance is about a thousand over what it was a month ago. That's amen. That's how I know you're back. And so it's a worship. Have y'all noticed the intensity of worship has gone up? Are you with me? Have y'all noticed that? Man, some of you, listen, some of you are this close to raising your hand. I mean, you're just right there. I mean, you've been tapping your toe inside your shoes so nobody would see you're Presbyterian and so you're not supposed to do that or maybe a Baptist. And so, man, you got it inside the shoe, but man, you are there and you're about to just break out and go. <laughs> see, it's, man, it ought to be hot in our worship. Amen. It ought to be exciting and thrilling because 
What God is doing is he is Ezekiel 37-ing us, and he is breathing into our worship at every campus. He is moving. And what we've got to do is understand what God is doing and make the most of God's move. Does that make sense? Now, I'm not an athlete. I never have been an athlete. I didn't even play an athlete on television. And so I've never been a surfer. I tried once. It was a miserable experience. And, uh, and so I, I like to get in a boat with a motor, not one you have to paddle. And so, it, but if you go and you want to go surfing, listen, I don't care how bad you want to surf. If there are no waves, you're not surfing, right? You can go to the beach, you can wax your board, you can have the perfect clothes, you can look good, you can be, man, beach, California, you know, hanging loose steel, you can, you can have all that going on, but if there's no waves, you might as well go home. And so it's the same with the move of God in church. If God's not moving, you can't make God move. But we have a move going on, and so God has created a wave within our, all of our congregations, and we need to catch that wave and invite our friends and, man, really be looking for what God is up to right now, because God's up to some stuff. Amen? And so go ahead. Come on. Give him some praise in the house. And so let's, let's maximize that. Now, I want to ask you a question we're going to talk about for the next three weekends. And some people said, how could Funhouse go for four weeks? We could have gone another four, couldn't we? So I'm going to ask you another question. So if you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. All right, this is the question. What is your spiritual temperature? If we could take a thermometer and put it into your heart, that that your heart for God, what would it tell us? On a scale from 1 to 10, 10 being red hot, 1 being ice cold, or anywhere in between, what is your spiritual temperature this weekend? Now, as you think about that for a second, is it a two? Is it a 10? Where am I? Have I ever been hotter? Have I ever been where, Sort of where am I? Let me ask you another question. Are you ready? Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. What is his desire for your degree? What do you believe God wants your temperature to be? Does God want it to be cold? Does God want it to be lukewarm? Does God want you to be a red hot radical? Are we? <laughs> problem in the house, don't we? So we're going to talk about that. Let's be, but faith promise, it's raw and real. We're just going to call it as it is and deal with the deal. So this series is called Light It Up. Now, we're going to give you some biblical foundation as we do every first message of every series. We lay out a very clear biblical foundation, Revelation chapter 3. If you've been around church for long, you know right where I'm going. Revelation 3.15, I know your deeds. Jesus is speaking to John. John wrote this stuff down, sent it to the seven churches. And, uh, and he said, I know your deeds. I know what's going on. And I know this, that you're not hot and you're not cold. So I wish that you were hot or cold. So because you're lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. He said, listen, you're say Laodicea that you don't need anything. You say, hey, we got money, we got everything, we don't need anything. <laughs> he said, listen, you need some stuff. And so we need to acknowledge, God, we need our spiritual temperature ratcheted up, right? We need to crank this up. So how do we do it? Well, Proverbs 26, 20 is absolutely one of my all-time favorite verses dealing with the temperature of our hearts. 26, 20 says this, and this is so simple, you'd wonder why I'd even say it. For a lack of wood, the fire goes out. You say, well, I got that. I mean, come on, I understand that. You know, if you've ever had a fireplace or a campfire, when you quit putting wood on the fire, what happens to the wood? Or what happens to the fire? It goes out. You say, come on, Chris. But, but the simple fact of the matter is this. Many of us know that we're, we're somewhere between cold and lukewarm, right? 
Come on, we already know that, but you're not putting any wood on the fire. We're, we're not putting wood on the fire. For a lack of wood, the fire goes out. And your heart is a hearth for God. Your heart is a hearth. And so in every hearth, you've got to be placing more wood, more fuel on the fire. The hotter the fire, the more the fuel is required. If it's just a low, little bitty, sort of small fire, you don't have to start chunking out the logs. But if that thing starts the stokermatic, I mean, it starts getting red hot. You've got to throw some wood on that fire. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 10, verse four, it's jotted down. Nehemiah divides out between the 12 tribes, the, all of them and when they're going to bring the wood. Because in the law, God said, don't let the fire go out in my altar in the tabernacle. And now they're in the temple. And so they divide out who's going to bring the wood between all the families so that the fire doesn't go out. Now, this is what I'm 32 years. This is what I've learned. Are you ready? If you're ready, say I'm ready. I can't control the thermostat for Chris. I wish I could. I can't control the thermostat for you. And I can't control the thermostat for Faith Promise Church. It is the hand of God that is on the thermostat, right? And God is the one who controls the thermostat. So, okay, we're supposed to be red hot for God, right? Right? And yet we don't have control of the thermostat. So how does that work? Let me tell you what you do have control of. You do have control of how much wood you put on the fire. Your heart is a hearth and you're the one that has the ability to throw more wood on the fire. Let me tell you some wood that I chunk on my fire because I want to be red hot radical, a volcano erupting every day for God. I mean, one of the things I do is worship. I worship publicly and I worship privately. If I'm bummed out, I'm hunting me a praise tape. Actually, not a tape that shows my age, Greg. I, I'll hunt me a praise CD. And so, you know, and, and, if I'm, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to worship my way out of the funk. You ever been in the funk? You have? Come on. Come on. We've all been in the funk. And I'm not talking about funk and roll. I'm talking about funk. We've all been in the funk. And what we do when we're in the funk is we quit putting wood on the fire. We pull away from our group. We pull away from our church. We pull away from our friends. We quit praying. We quit reading the wood. And the fire continues to die out. When if there's ever been a time we need the fire, it's right then when we're in a funk, right? So what I do is I cut some worship on it. And I worship my way out of a funk. Because depression and praise can't dwell in the same heart at the same time. So I'm, man, I'm just listening to some worship, man. I know the songs. I know the books. I know the Psalms. I know where, where I can go in the word. And so, man, I, I want to I worship. And then the second thing is the word of God. Man, I'm going I'm to chunk every day some word into my heart. I'm going to chunk it for a lack of, of a lack of wood. The fire goes out. I'm chunking the word into my heart every day. Does this make sense? Let's throw it in there. Stoke it up. Holy Spirit. Prayer is a great way that I stoke up the fire. I try to spend a couple hours, at least five days a week with the Lord. Now I get prayed to be spirit, paid to be spiritual. Y'all can't spend that much time, but it's just what I do. And so, man, I'm always seeking after looking passionately, you know, trying to add fire. My quiet time, which I guard, hear me, I guard my quiet time. Devil's always encroaching on my calendar. Is he in yours? Matter of fact, if you, if you were to sit back and look at the last three or four weeks, you know what you've been? You've been busy. And what's the devil trying to do? He tried to crowd out the word, tr crowd out worship, crowd out quiet time, crowd out all those things. Why? Because he wants it. He's, the devil's always got a cold water bucket brigade, doesn't he? I mean, as soon as you get on fire, there's somebody running. There he is. Whoop, 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 whoop. And then poosh, they're throwing cold water on your fire, aren't they? And they believe they're helping God. 
Because somehow we ought not be excited about God. I don't know where the Pharisees come from, but they're still with us, aren't they? And so they're dumping water. They're just, they're, they're dumping water. Let me tell you one other way that I stay stoked up. Are you ready? I try to get around red hot people. We had a conference here Thursday and Friday. Unbelievable. And so I'm listening to great sermons, great leadership lessons with 300 of my closest friends. And we're all getting excited. I want to be around people that are fired up. Amen. Now, this is what I do. I'm going to be honest. Some of you are going to say, I can't believe the pastor would do that. But there are people that go here that are hyper negative and critical. You might be sitting next to one. Now, it's, surely it's not you, but it's the people around you. And I see some of y'all coming, and it's what I do. I'm, I'm, listen, there are people been here for years. They've never said a positive word the whole time I knew them. If there was a rainbow outside, it'd be too small. It doesn't matter what happens. It's never good enough. It's bad. It sucks. It's horrible. It's terrible. I see them coming. I say, man, they're good. They are coming to rain on my parade. And so I put it in B for Boogie and I try to get away. So some of you say, you, you, every time that I see you, Pastor, you're running. I'm talking about you. So I want to be around positive people. Are you with me? Now, we all have some time of funk and we all have some downtime, but some of y'all been in it for a decade. Come out, my people of the funk. Are you, let's get the hearts cranked up. Come on. But what we're about is we're about comfort rather than stoking up the coals. And we need the wind of God to breathe on us. You're, some of y'all don't remember, but there were times when the only thing you had to heat a house with was wood or coal. Y'all remember that? And, and somebody who had to get up early in the morning, get that big old, big old huge thing, that big bill. And man, they get down to blow the, blow the coals till the clothes got, coals got red hot and they throw some more wood on there because where there is no wood, the fire goes out. And so, man, they're just stoking it up. We need the wind of God to stoke it up, right? To stoke your heart and my heart. Now, now when we think about the thermostat, it's God's. Let me tell you what we do with thermostats. Do you know that builders will build buildings and put fake thermostats in the building? They'll put them on the wall, but they won't connect them. They don't, especially if, there'll be, if there's going to be a room full of women working in the room. Now, ladies, I'm so sorry. I'm just going to apologize now because it's going to be ugly. I'm just going to tell you. And if you're mad, please send your angry emails to Josh Whitehead at faithpromise.org because, see, Josh likes those. I don't. And so go ahead and give me. But you know what they do? They know that if there's a room full of women, half of them are hot, some of them are cold, and some of them are between. Because some of them, they're not having hot flashes. They're having power surges over here on this side of the room. And over here, some of them have got a heater. This lady's got a fan. Somebody's got a shawl and a sweater. And this lady's over here has got an iceberg. She's got her feet on it. She's fanning. And every day, every one of those women goes to that sermon set. What do they do? They tweak it. One turns it up, one turns it down. And they feel better. It doesn't help any, but they feel better. Because they believe it's going to change. Because why? We want to be comfortable, right? Does that make sense? See, it's not about comfort. It's about the coals of your heart, heart being red hot. I'm asking God to explode like a volcano in our midst this weekend to light us up and fire us up and crank us up and turn the temperature red hot. Crank it up. Cranking up our spiritual temperature. That's what this series is all about. Because can I tell you something? Your heart matters. As your pastor, your heart matters to me and where your heart is. And we pray for you and we fast and we see God and we try to craft messages and message series that will speak to you and the spirit of God will move and take the word of God and will wake you up. 
you know, just shake you right where you are. Your heart matters. It matters to God. Your spiritual temperature matters. I wish that you were hot or cold because you're lukewarm. I want to spit you out of my mouth. We care about the spiritual temperature of your home. Let me tell you something about your house. How many of your parents? How many parents in the house? All right. Every campus, we got parents. Let me tell you, the greatest, the absolute number one thing you can do. I did lots of things to disciple my kids. Some worked, some didn't. But the number one thing that I tried to do was be red hot for Jesus in front of my kids. I wanted my kids to know the number one command, love the Lord your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and body. I wanted my kids to know that I love God more than the air that I breathe, the water that I drink, that I love God more than my wife or my kids or the church or anything else, that I love God preeminently, primary, number one. And when your kids realize that there's nothing more important to you than God, they're going to probably love the same God you love. Does that make sense? So you got to be red hot. You got to be red hot in your home, in your marriage. In your ministry, in your small group matters, your campus, whatever campus that you're at this weekend. Man, is it, we're, we're praying the fire of God will fall on your campus because as the spiritual temperature increases, the, the, the attitude of worship increases. Amen? More people are raising their hand. More people are excited about God. More people are, are not worried about what the people around them are wearing or what kind of car they drove or, or what's going on. They're just worried about Jesus and connecting and emoting and loving God. And the more that we love on God and our spiritual temperature increases when lost people come, they say, you know, I don't know if I believe in their God, but they believe in their God and they love their God. And I might could love the same God that they love. Amen? Come on, people need to see it. Because in that red hot atmosphere, transformation happens. Lives are restored, marriages are restored. People are born again, people get radical. People turn away from the fun house and they get filled with the spirit of God and they begin walking in a fresh new walk. Now, have you ever been to a dead church? Did you see anything happening at the dead church? Nothing. Dead churches are dead. Nothing happens at lukewarm churches because lukewarm churches don't realize they're lukewarm. Do they? They don't know they're lukewarm. And so church, we say, well, come on, pastor, man, we're, we're all excited. This is cool beans. You know, we're all this in a bag of chips. Hey, we can be lukewarm too. And about, I don't know, two or 3,000 of the 5,000 that's going to worship this weekend have already said, I'm not where I need to be in the spiritual temperature, hadn't we? We've already said that. So let me ask you a question. If you're listening, say, I am. What fires you up? See, I know my hearth, and I know what I need to stay where I need to be with God. So what fires you up? What is it that you need to constantly, I hope that the messages help keep you stirred up and stoked up and hungry. Because what I, one of the things I pray, not only that I'll have, that, that whoever communicates will be filled with the spirit and power and unction, but listen, I want to be so salty when I preach about God that when you leave, you want a big, long drink of God. They say, you didn't get enough in here that, man, you just got thirsty. If you go to a bar, there's a reason they put pretzels and peanuts on the bar for free because the more you eat, the more you have to drink. And a bag of pretzels or peanuts is a lot cheaper than a, than, than a six-pack of beer, whatever you're drinking. So they put them out there. I want to make you thirsty for God. But you leave here wanting your spiritual temperature ratcheted, ratcheted up. So what wood do you need to put on your fire? What wood do you need? What, what is it in your life? You've got to know that. Now, let me tell you what's cool about God. Are you ready? God can light wet wood. 
And some of it, your heart is, is, is let's be real, it's, it's wet wood. Are you with me? Now, I'm going to look at 1 Kings 18, and I don't know what happened to the time, but somebody just stole about 15 minutes from me somewhere. I don't know where it went. Elijah is, Elijah's gone to the king. It's very politically correct. It's young adults. Truth was very relative. If you wanted to follow Baal, he was God. If you want to follow Asherim, if you wanted to cook your kids in a skillet for Molech, that was okay too. If you want to worship, it didn't matter what you worship. All roads lead to God. Very politically correct. Can I tell you? Listen, young adults, truth is not, truth is not relative. Truth is truth, period. Exclamation point. Truth is truth. So Elijah goes to the king, said, king, it's not going to rain till I say so. Not going to rain till I say so. You people have turned away from God. It's not going to rain any least for three and a half years. And you go back and read the story in six, first Kings 16 and 17 and see how God took care of Elijah. It was oh, just so cool. The birds brought him food. It was this radical deal. I remember the first time I heard this story, a buddy of mine told me I'd been saved about two months. And he told me, I said, that's not in the Bible. I didn't happen. And he read it to me. I just was, blo- Wow. See, y'all remember the first time you heard these stories? We've heard them so much now, there's not much wow left, is there? Come on. One of the reasons that we're not red hot is because we've gotten used to it. Does that make sense? Are you okay? Are you breathing? I'm not sure if you're okay. So Elijah comes back after three and a half years. And, and this is what he says in verse 17, 1 Kings 18. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to, said to him, is this you, you trouble of Israel? I've not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, you and your father's house, because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and followed after Baals. He said, listen, how many times do people in America blame the church for the problems? They point a finger at us and say, man, this is the church. They're a bunch of hate mongers. They're a bunch of, you know, homophobic. They're a bunch of old fashioned, some kind of Tennessee trailer trash. They don't know what's going on, man. If they just get in line with us, see, they're the problem. No, we're not the problem because we're still loving God in Jesus name. Come on. So Elijah tells, Elijah tells the king, hey, go get 450 prophets of Baal sitting at your, mom, at your wife's table and the 400 prophets of Asherim and bring all the people and I'll meet you at Mount Carmel. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have a showdown. So the king does it. Everybody shows up. Everybody shows up to Mount Carmel in verse uh, 20, verse 21. Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? Is America hesitating between two opinions? Aren't they, man, they don't know which way they're going to go. They don't know which way's the real God. They don't know which way's the real way. Man, Republicans, Democrats, and Tea Party and Independents, and everybody's fighting on the real way and this way and that way. It's never been the political way. It's always been God's way. It'll always be God's way. That's the only way to walk and have freedom and victory. And so he said, how long do you hesitate between two opinions? God's God, follow him. Bell's God, follow him. But the people in verse 21 did not answer him a word. They didn't answer because they didn't know. There are people who are with us on... On all 5,000 people this weekend, there are a lot of people this weekend who simply don't know what's true. They've got an education, they've gone to college, they've heard science, they've heard the Bible, and they're trying to reconcile. Hey, by the way, listen, you don't need to be afraid of science because all truth is God's truth. All truth is God's truth. I let them do a conference and invite all the big brains from Oak Ridge National Laboratory. Some of the smartest people on the planet are, are four miles down the street. And bring them in and bring some of the greatest minds of faith that have a science and faith conference because we don't need to be afraid. Come on, church. We do not need to be afraid. Come on. But they didn't know. 
Elijah said, I'm alone and left. So Elijah said, this is what we're going to do. You, you, you bail dudes, you get an ox, cut it up. I'll get an ox, I'll cut it up. That was the day for Peter. And we'll cut these two oxen up and we'll build a, we'll cut wood. We'll put the oxen on the wood and you pray and I'll pray. And whichever God answers by fire, he'll be the real God. And the people said, whoa, that's it. We'll know because we don't know. And so Elijah, man, he says, you, you first. So for four hours, they, they begin to cry out to Baal. They're just screaming out, crying out, man, to Baal. And I love him in verse 27. That's why I like Elijah. Because, listen, he's a smart aleck. And I got a little spirit of smart aleck in me. Y'all probably didn't realize that. But I got just a little smart aleck. Y'all, y'all understand that? And don't laugh because many of y'all do too. And so, and so it's been four hours. Nothing's happened. And Elijah steps up and said, hey. He mocked him. Hey, call out with a loud voice for he's a God. He's occupied. Or maybe he's gone aside. He's on a journey. Perhaps he's asleep. He needs to be wakened. Yell louder. So they cried out louder. What a bunch of idiots. And they cut themselves according to their customs with swords and lances till blood gushed out from them. They are 450 men dancing around, man. They're slicing each other up with swords. Freddy Krueger by 450 times. Man, they're doing the deal. People are bleeding. They're screaming. See, me tell you what they had. They had a frenzy, but they had no fire. And church, we can't build a strange fire. We want God's fire. And so, man, he, he just, he's, he's mocking them. They raved until the time of the offering of eating sacrifice. No voice, no one answered. And look at this. Nobody paid attention. Nobody cared. Verse 34. Elijah came, I mean verse 30, and repaired the altar which the Lord, which of the Lord which had been torn down. You want to be red hot? Listen to me. You got to rebuild the altar of the Lord. Have a place on my back deck, fireplace, a roof. Michelle Cost my man cave, but it's the most holy place on earth to me. And every day I go out there with my journal and a pot of coffee and my Bible. And every day I, I, I rebuild the altar of the Lord because I want to be red hot. And I don't have control of the thermostat, so I've got to open myself up before God that God could crank up the heat. Listen, so many of you are too busy. Right? You don't think you can. You think, well, Chris is supposed to be fired up, but not me. Listen, we all got up and put our britches on one leg at a time this morning. The ground is level at the cross, amen? And I was radical for Jesus before he called me into ministry. Being radical is not about being a professional. Being radical is about having your heart red hot. So he rebuilds the altar. Go down to verse 34. He cuts the sacrifice up. He fills four pitchers with water and said, pour it on the burnt offering. And he gets, do it a second time, do it a third time. The water flowed around the altar and also filled the trench with water. Now listen, it hadn't rained for how long? Three and a half years, the most precious thing in Israel was water. But see, Elijah didn't mind to dump his water out because he knew in another hour it was going to rain. See, he, he trusted God no matter what the circumstances looked like in his marriage or life or business, wherever you're at. You've got to trust God in the midst of it. It's not how it looks. It's what God knows. And so, and so he fills it with water and he prays. Verse 36, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, that this people may know, O Lord, that you're God, and that you have turned their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell, consumed the bird offering, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Let me ask you a question. Do you think the spiritual temperature just went up in Israel? They turn around and kill 850 prophets. 
and the people begin to worship God. There's a revival that, be, that begins to, to take place. If you begin to follow the story and you go on and, and man, God moves and raises up some more godly people like Elijah and some godly kings and priests and godly leaders. And the world, the, the nation turns around and they're, but why? Because their heart grows hot for God again. They've got a fire in the furnace, but there's a problem with the story and you cannot miss this part because everybody stops right here. Now, if you were Elijah and you had just prayed fire down from heaven, would you be excited? Man, I'd be at Starbucks all night and say, hey, boys, y'all catch that hat, man. Did you see how I raised my hand? Did you see me point up there and fire fall? Did y'all catch that deal? Come on, I'm waiting for, man, I'm waiting for the ministry magazines to come take my picture. I'm going to tell the story. I need to go out preaching it by the day the fire fell. Let me tell you what happened to Elijah the next day. He fell into a suicidal depression. I love the Bible because it always tells the full story. This guy yesterday prayed, fire down, turned a nation to God and said, God, kill me, kill me. And he ran and hid in a cave. Now, let me ask you a question. Why did the man of God with the power to pray fire down and shut the heavens up for three and a half years and then prayed after that it would rain and a storm comes? Why, why, what in the world would happen to that guy? Listen, if you're listening, say I am. The wood went out in Elijah's hearth. All the, all the passion he was expending, all the fire he was expending as he was praying down, as he was standing up, as he was alone confronting the ungodly leaders, as he was doing all this stuff. See, his fire was, his fire was being put out because he, wasn't, he at that point wasn't adding wood. In Proverbs 26, 20, where there is a lack of wood, the fire goes out. And before he knew it, he was suicidal and in depression because his wood ran out. Listen, leaders. Business leaders, ministry leaders, leaders in your home, listen, listen, listen. The number one thing in my life as your pastor, more than preaching, more than leading, more than numbers, more than campuses, more than anything else, the most important thing to me is my spiritual health and the, the hot, how hot my heart is. Because this is what's happened to some of us. Look up here, listen. You've been running so hard. You've been so busy. You've been serving your small group. You have been serving children or serving students or serving preschool or serving in worship. And you've been running and you've been loving and you've been giving and you've been pouring out. But what you haven't done is put wood on your heart. And now you're turning around and now you're discouraged and you're defeated. And you're saying, how did I get here, God? I don't understand. I love you, God. Why, where did my energy go? Where did my passion go? Where there is a lack of wood. The fire goes out. Leaders, come on. This is a church full of leaders in Jesus' name. Amen. You've got to learn to stoke up the fire. Come on. Man, we're on a marathon. We're not running a 40-yard dash. But what happens? Listen, we've all watched preachers fall. We've all watched our friends lose their marriages. And we said, I don't understand. They love Jesus. How could that happen? They quit putting wood on the fire. And then when you get tired, are you with me? You get tired and you're, you're spiritually at a low. You're, you're over here temperature wise and your energy level and your passion is waning and the devil steps in your easy pickings. I've had more than one of my pastor friends that I get a call, so-and-so had an affair. And what we want to do is get mad saying they probably were never saved. No, they were men of God who loved Jesus and their church but they got tired running and they didn't put wood on their fire and they stepped all up into stupid. Are you with me? Now listen, stupid surrounds every one of us, doesn't it? And it doesn't take much to get all up into some stupid. 
So without a lack of wood, the fire goes out. All right, I'm, listen, this is the deal. You don't crank the fire up being religious. You crank the fire for the relationship. 30 years ago, God gave me the second greatest thing he ever gave me. Her name is Michelle. I spend intimate time with her. I buy her things. I serve her. I look for times to be, we're, we're about to celebrate our 30th anniversary. I'm going to take her on the absolute dream trip. Because listen, I'm stoking fire on the heart, on the heart of our hearts. Amen. I'm stoking it in our marriage. Because I don't want you to walk in one Sunday and Josh Whitehead step up and say, I'm so sorry to relate, but our pastor Michelle separated. If she leaves me, I'm going with her. She's not leaving me with her children. And so, I'm telling you, I told her, you leave me, <laughs> pack my bag, I'm going with you. So, but it begins with a relationship. A relationship. Some of you are religious, you've been to church all your life and you're struggling, you don't know why you had to keep gutting this out. Listen, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you have a relationship with the Lord? That's where it's all about. You say, Chris, I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm truly saved. Man, I don't know. Pray for me. Come on. Thousand people in this room. If that's you, Chris, pray for me. Just slip up your hand. Come on. Come on. Slip it up. Come on. Be bold. Right here. Right here. Come on. Right here. Right here. Where else? Come on. In the back. Come on. Raise it up. Right over here. Here we go. Right here. Come on. Over here. Come on. Man, listen. Well, the greatest thing is being saved. 32 years ago, I turned my life over to Jesus and I thought I just made it. I just prayed a little prayer. Listen, man, I'm talking a big honking deal. Everything changed. Let's just pray with them out loud, church. Those are, let's pray with them and say, dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I confess you as my Lord. Come into my heart. You died for me. Rose from the grave. And now I want to live for you in Jesus' name. Somebody give God praise, would you? Man, that is exciting. Woo! Man, come on. Goodness gracious. I want you to look. We're about to, listen, we're about to start up the, up the, up the steps. I made the seats in the back. Before, listen, before Labor Day, they need to be full in Jesus' name. Amen. And you're going to bring them. We're going to rock. So this is the deal. It's the deal. If you prayed with me or, or man, you needed to, you can either come down front when we're over in one minute or you can go take your communication card and fill it out and put it in the offering box. I need, you know, I need baptism or sign me up for next steps or group or serving. And then there's two cards in your seat. One we had in the stick in front of you, stuck in. It's the Anderson County, Campbell County. We need some missionaries who will go help infuse our DNA into those new campuses. If you'll go over there in one of those two campuses, fill that card out, put in the offering box. Also, man, I'm so far behind. We, we, August 17th, which is a week from yesterday. Is that right? Is that this coming Saturday? 17th? Today's the 11th, 17th. Next Saturday, is all, the, all the new freshmen are going to be at UT. If you could give us either between 7 and 4 or noon and 4 or all day to help move kids in. And listen, I remember when Michelle and I took our little girl and left her at Lee College in Cleveland. Michelle cried all the way home. About halfway, I asked, are you, I mean, are you going to stop? <laughs> and then I realized if I said anything else, I was going to cry for a whole different reason because she was going to jab her finger in my eye in Jesus' name. And so, but listen, what about at UT, secular, liberal college, when kids pull up, faith promises there in the t-shirts, 
unpacking cards and putting kids in and letting those parents know there's somebody here that loves God that'll love your kid, that'll love your student. If you'll help us, if you'll fill that out, that'll be great. Listen, I'm so far over and I love our children's ministry and I so try to stay on time, but this is so important. Do y'all think it's gonna be a great series? Be back next week. We love you. Be blessed.